0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Space Update, part of the fantastic Total Space Network. Coming up today, we'll be talking SpaceX, Rocket Lab, Virgin Orbit and a whole host of other space news. I'm your host Ryan and joining me today is...
1: Hi, I'm Mikko, the host of Deep Dive Fridays.
0: I'm another space nut.
2: I just sort of linger around on these chats.
0: Let's get started on the news, guys. Um, we're going to take a slightly different approach on this episode, no topics as such this week uh, We're just going to be generally chit-chatting away about all the latest news um, So why not, let's just kick off um, today with SpaceX and uh, this fantastic Starship There's so much going on with uh, SpaceX and Starship at the moment and the uh, Falcon 9s and everything um, Like I say, the Falcon 9s just launched another batch of Starlink satellites uh, earlier last week reuse the booster and set the record of seven successful launches and landings. A f- fantastic achievement, uh, if I do so, or so myself. Uh, we'll soon see the booster reuse in double figures very soon. But my question is, when do you think they'll actually clean them up?
1: I think, let's say around 12 flights or something like that. And about the flight number seven, now SpaceX is at the same reusable level as Blue Origin had on their new Zeppelin rocket and the next one will be hitting that record.
2: SM5 also had some major upgrades according to Elon on Twitter so we're going to see an Old Legend fly I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. SM5 has actually been used for potentially being used for the Lunar Lander. Uh, we saw bits, bits of it um, like the nose cone and everything being painted white and there was rumours that SM5 was just going to be used to either either the mock-up of the lunar lander or they were going to reuse it just to for the for the hell of it and just test it to the the maximum because it's essentially a an old model um so why not use it when it's got hardware there to use at the end of the day and not only
2: hardware but flight proven hardware as well yeah yeah
0: definitely and um we've got we've seen very recently sn9s just being fully stacked and completed and would be alongside SN8 maybe hopefully if everything goes well with the the hop within the next week for that uh, the days for that 15k hop are constantly changing at the moment because I believe they're trying to get a static fire or two in before they actually go for that
2: I'd almost I've I've been hearing rumours that they might not conduct a static fire like there's rumours circling
0: yeah, there's been rumours like left, right and centre really are they going to do a static fire, they're going to do the header tanks, lower tanks or what. But uh, it's all up in the air at the moment, I think.
2: One of our eavesdrop listeners, Jay, who does the administrative work here at Total Space, he's saying they're not doing static fires anymore. And then there's something supporting that from the NASA spaceflight forums, from NOMA.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've seen little bits floating around, but um, like I said, it's, it's all guesswork, isn't it? Cause this is just... For people that don't know, it's a, it's essentially a research and development program. So we get to know nothing at the end of the day, other than purely guessing and interrogate, interrogate Elon on Twitter.
2: <laughs> and then we do have these amazing, dedicated people sat out there in Boca Chica with cameras and um, DSLR cameras, taking amazing shots and stuff. You know, we've got we've got these dedicated sort of gathering following the Starship program. I think. It's almost like a new era.
3: Yeah, definitely. When was the last static fire? Was it about a week ago and they fired up SN42? From what I understand, they test-fired 42 and they haven't done one since, have they?
0: They test-fired... Oh, i testing my memory now. Um, the test-fired mid-last <laughs> mid last week, I think.
3: I think it was about the 24th. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: See, so, uh,
2: saying the last one was all three Raptors firing...
0: But for some reason, they've done some minor tweaks to it, and they had to do the. Stat- they were going to do a static fire again for some reason, but don't know
2: why. It was his fourth static fire. Framrich just got the link there. Well done, Framrich. Quickest to the punch.
3: Jay's normally quicker. <laughs> no, I was interested. There's an awful lot of chat across the various forums about whether they needed to do any further fires, including the header test, header tank test, or whether that was it. Because I think they've already done one with a header tank because you saw the frost line forming. So they've obviously pressurized it up. And I I just get this feeling from all the different social media platforms that there's a little bit of pressure from Elon of just kind of just make it so. But what's holding them back now? Is it the weather? Is it the um, just, you know, getting everything right? But you've got about three starships in the queue ready to go. So,
2: I mean, ultimately, what we've got to sort of remember is that SpaceX are innovating you know, never before have we been able to see uh, test flights and things of this nature. It's usually conducted behind closed doors and in secret and out off on behind cordons where we can't get cameras and stuff. And when you go down to SpaceX Boca Chica, you can almost touch it through the fence if SpaceX security weren't there.
0: Yeah, yeah, literally. Those, I mean, um, everyday astronauts down there and a few guys and all sorts right now. Um Hopefully, waiting for that hop wherever it happens—Wednesday, Thursday, Friday—who knows? Um, but Elon said earlier, just a few, literally a few days ago, earlier on in the week, um, come SN15, there'll be major updates. Whether it's internal or just the general design, who knows? Um, the big, big, major factor that he was saying on Twitter, as well as that big major update on SN15. Um, He tweeted out that starship legs are one of the hardest problems. Externally mounted legs require shielding, which adds mass. Wider stance adds mass. Shock absorbers add mass. That said, we need better legs. (laughs) So that's the main issue that uh, they've got at the moment is those landing legs by the looks of it. And obviously maybe that will come at SN15, who knows.
1: Or maybe SN15 is the orbital one.
0: Could be, could be, because we haven't seen any as such with the full shielding and then to, uh, figure out how they're going to shield the fins as well.
2: It's an interesting puzzle to have to solve, isn't it? Getting the world's largest um, second stage to orbit.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. The, bit, the thing with the, the fins that Elon's struggling with is um, with any other vehicle, it's a solid surface usually. If you imagine a capsule, it's just a, a circular capsule, if you if you if you like, or or whatever a shape. And the, the shuttle, it was a fixed wing thing, bare and bare and the little ailerons and everything else on the wings. Um, but Starship, essentially, the the fins on that move completely. So we have to figure out how to put the shield in on just the bottom side, and the edges, plus the joining gap that's between the fin and the main body and they're gonna to have to somehow stop the air flowing through that little gap between the fin and the body so the heat doesn't bypass the shield and start burning the upper side of the body of starship as well so it's uh that'll be another task i think when it comes sm15 on all the orbital tests
1: yeah it definitely needs some work
0: because I think they'll get to the, they'll probably conquer the landing on some of the lower hops, maybe the 15k eventually, it'll hop. But when it comes to the orbital re entry, I think that'll be a whole different kettle of uh, fish, so to speak. Um, I think you might quite quite possibly see one burn up in the atmosphere due to losing a flap or two <laughs> during re entry and things not going quite right. For, cause yeah. Re entry is a whole different, like massive amounts of stress on the body of the that starship.
1: Yeah, that's very possible.
0: And I'm still curious about this lunar lander. Uh, we've seen bits of it here and there, but we haven't seen anything um, announced as such, or what we're going to see is in a, a basic mock up or potentially a full mock up in, interior and exterior.
2: What I can tell you about the lunar lander is the worm will look much better on the Starship than it currently does on the SLS.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> would be very interesting to see the inside plans for the Starship. Yeah, many people are, are,
0: are mocking up like really like luxurious interiors and stuff like that, and there'll be chairs and seats and lockers and this, that and the other. But usually on these kind of things, it's... It's it's a mili- military-come-space thing, and they just they need to use every inch of space or millimeter of space, if you like, for cargo. So it might not be as luxurious as everyone may think. It might be purely a small seating area for X amount of people, and then the rest is just boxed off for purely as much cargo as it can possibly carry.
1: Yeah, or just have a bit less mass so you don't need as much fuel to get out from the moon
2: do you think my Zauer's hopes of doing dear moon on a starship are still on the cards in 2023
0: definitely not i think it's too early to because it takes years to even approve a booster um if you jump back to i mean even like the falcon 9 and the um atlas the atlas 5 and everything it took quite a number of years for that to get uh, both of those get approved um, do all the abort tests and everything and when it comes to abort tests on Starship that'll be a whole different thing altogether. But whether they do the Dear Moon thing on a, a dragon capsule instead or something like that or a, a, some, a bigger version of it who knows, I don't know.
2: Well, I mean the current dragon can be retrofitted to fit up to nine people if I'm not mistaken Miko.
1: No, actually not. It was supposed to be for seven people, but actually they have made some changes and it's not possible anymore. Because when they splash down the seats, uh, take the splash down position and they really don't have space for more people.
0: Yeah, you've done an episode on that Miko uh, a little while ago, didn't you? So if anyone wants to learn a little bit more on the Dragon module and everything else, maybe you check that uh, earlier episode out that had done in one of the deep dive episodes. Um, We've seen a lot of development with the Super Heavy Booster as well, haven't we? We haven't seen anything as such with the stacking or anything, but we've seen a hell of a lot of the parts being constructed.
2: What's your nickname for it? Because I know everybody calls it something different at present, until we've actually got something together.
0: I just call it Super Heavy Booster for now, until it gets named something else. (laughs)
2: Because people are saying, like, SNB01, or, like, there's Booster 1 and... There's several paradigms that people have given it.
0: Yes, in the chat there, in the Discord chat, BN1JSN. I think that's a J and a few people have correct me before. It's not. It's not SN. It's BN. Booster number one.
2: <laughs> it's exciting to see it come alive because ultimately, what we've seen so far is just second stage development of the entire Starship development program. And like you correctly said earlier, Ryan, this is an R and D project like this is the foundations of an entire rocket architecture this is the equivalent of the Falcon 9 grasshopper in 2010 2011 when they were doing Falcon 9 landing development you know and this is just a second stage for now when that booster starts to come alive and they start to build infrastructure to be able to launch that you know that's that's on the cards over the coming years and that's exciting
0: yeah, yeah, it's it's really exciting. I I can't wait until they actually start doing the super heavy booster. It's it's essentially going to be the full height of a Falcon Nine rocket. It's just going to be absolutely insane once it's done. Um, and a th- key key thing to keep in mind um, before the super heavy booster can actually launch or t- either, even do any kind of tests at, uh, down at Boca Chica, SpaceX need a new license from the FAA. Um, The agency said that uh, the new vehicle falls outside the scope of the existing final environmental impact statements, or the EIS if you like, Um, and the record of decision for the launch site requires additional environmental reviews under federal law. So that may put a little thorn in uh, Elon's side on getting the super heavy heavy booster pushed along.
1: Yeah, sounds like it. I mean... Sometimes you think that those environmental assessments are just to slow them down but yeah if they launch the booster from there it's going to be very loud and dangerous but maybe they can try to build a offshore launch pad or something
2: i mean they're right next to the golf aren't they so they could just use it as a cast off point cuz like you correctly said you know these Environmental impact statements are no joke. When you're looking at it through a camera from four miles away, that's several thousand pounds upwards, and you've just got this tiny scope, we don't realize it's surrounded by nature reserves, and and, you know, there's quite a lot of breeding grounds and stuff there. These big boosters going up as regularly as it's going to need to be for a thousand starship launches, you know, it's it's really important to keep that consideration, and like like you're saying, you know, offshore platforms. And I know everybody in the community is nuts about offshore platforms. That's for a good reason. It's because you can't launch to orbit on a regular basis from the current site that they're using. You see it more as a cast-off point to these uh, golf-based launch platforms at sea.
0: And we all remember what happened to SN4, and uh, for that to happen to a fully stacked super heavy booster and Starship. Uh, that'd be a, a bit of a disaster, c- considering they are actually quite a lot of... Uh, although they're right by the coast there down at Boca Chica, they're not too far from actual little hotels and little villages and everything down there.
1: They're a lot closer than what you think. Yeah, just a few kilometres away.
2: It'd be like the old nuclear testing days again but the towns are just slowly get deserted around and stuff if you know if if it wasn't a carefully considered process on how it how the development goes down in Boca Chica and how they get the hardware out of there and you know it's it's no secret that offshore rigs is spoken about a lot there's a lot of disused oil rigs in the gulf and I know I spoke with Beno about um, this way back before it became this huge thing, but offshore launch sites are important, you know, to to avoid disaster.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I can't remember the exact total of the thrust of the super heavy booster once it's complete, but I know it was in the fifteen to seven million pounds of thrust, or even more than that. I don't even know. It's just absolutely insane. It's just uh, more than the. The old Saturn rockets and everything.
1: Yeah, I think fifteen million pounds of thrust is about right. I think it's around seventy meganewtons.
0: Earth-shatteringly loud, not just loud. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: there's rocket loud, and then there's super heavy booster loud.
1: <laughs>
2: but think about the noise dampening system you're going to need for a booster of that size as well. Because currently, there's water dampening systems to absorb a lot of the shock from the audio that the engines produce. And think it, think about the water suppression system you're going to need for a booster of that size, so it doesn't blow a hole in the, in the earth every time it takes off.
1: And Elon is thinking of dropping the flame do not completely.
0: Which is
2: just absurd.
1: Yeah.
0: Not for us, if we want to see it like, obviously we'll get a nice big flamey takeoff, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> over the past few days peter beck from rocket lab has been sharing some quite unique footage from electron's last flight return to sender one from the stage separation and a few of us from booster re-entry some fantastic views never before seen on electron so make sure you go and check out that on social media what do you think of that guys um it seems it's some quite unusual footage peter beck's never really showed any like the stage separation from the actual in inner Side of the rockets, we've only ever seen SpaceX do that before.
2: I'm loving the fact that they managed to capture sound through the hardware itself. It gives us a real perspective of what s- stage separation sounds like directly through the hardware, and you know, that's exciting to hear, in my opinion.
0: It sounded absolutely bizarre. They like the lump kind of thing, and then they just the second stage just floats off.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was great to see, and I think the sound waves came with the... Uh, rocket exhaust to the booster.
0: A few guys in in the Discord channel saying a few claimed the sound was fake, but it turns out there was enough gas to transmit the sound and everything, because obviously it's at the edge of space and everything like that. But uh, that quickly got debunked by the looks of it. Yeah,
2: once I'm rich enough, one day if I aspire to get enough money, or if somebody funds a crazy idea, I want to send a bunch of flat earthers to the moon and back. Just debunked their entire life.
0: But as well, um, we saw some fantastic footage from the uh, Chinese rocket. Uh, some unique views from there, from the uh, flame flame trench, and the from the actual uh, launch tower as well as the rocket took off.
1: Yeah, it was great footage.
0: I think the best one, the best view is the of the on the launch tower when you just saw the the rockets. I think it must have been at the very top of the launch tower when you saw the rockets just ascend up and then you just saw the pure blue flames just flying off past the camera. That was just unbelievable, That just seeing that fly fly off. And the flame trench, obviously, everyone loved that and are asking Elon to uh, do the same with the Falcon 9 launches now.
1: Yeah, that would be great.
0: Virgin of is preparing for, for a second flight test of its small Launcher 1 rocket um, on the 19th to 20th December. Um, their launch window for that is 10 a.m. to 2 p.m carrying a set of uh, NASA-sponsored CubeSats. Uh, this one is essentially an air-launched rocket dropped drop from a 747. Bit of an unusual uh, way of launching a rocket, but you um, can see it definitely will work. Uh, the previous launch was unsuccessful due to uh, some sort of sensor fault back in uh, on May the 25th, that one.
1: Yeah, I think the rocket motor ignited for about 10 to 15 seconds after it shut down again so it was mostly unsuccessful but they got a lot of data so what are your guesses will they reach orbit with this flight
0: i mean i think it'll be successful um it's got to it gets their half part of the way through, through the 747 flying up to a high altitude then dropped from uh from the 747 but um, it's just gaining that ver- vertical momentum to get into orbit and gain enough speed to achieve orbit and everything else
1: yeah, I think also that they would reach Orbit this time. At least I hope so.
0: And what the reusability scope of it is, I'm not really sure. Um, obviously, you're still paying a lot of cost to refuel the 747 and stuff like that and everything else. And But I think essentially this one's, in a way, starting off from scratch. It's not going to be reusable at first of any kind. But uh, whether it will be in the future, I don't know. But I can't see it being a... a project that you can essentially scale up really if you're uh, relying on the one another form of transport to actually get it halfway there
1: yeah that would be difficult you'd have to create a bigger airplane or a supersonic one yeah
0: which i believe version of partly initially in the talks we were doing um they've obviously got their uh, other projects going on but that's more um more public commercial, commercialized little um, crew vehicles. So that, that's um, how much the satellites will get in, integrated with that. I don't know. But obviously the larger ones, purely a launcher for the big commercial companies, launching CubeSats and SmallSats into uh, low-earth orbit.
1: Yeah, definitely. Hope you're enjoying the show. Consider joining for our next Deep Dive episode on Friday, where we have a special guest you might know.
0: Hi, my name's Tori from the YouTube channel Overlook Horizon, where we talk about space and some high-altitude weather balloons. And I'm excited to talk with Miko on the Total Space Network podcast a little bit later. And now back to the show. And jumping over to uh, some... More news with uh, Ariane Space had a, a few prob- teething problems with a few rockets lately, uh, failures, cancellations, setbacks, and everything. Um, Falcon I 1 actually, because of the failure on that, um, the Falcon I 2 actually got moved to a Soyuz, French Soyuz rocket, which incidentally actually got uh, scrubbed earlier on in the week due to, I believe, bad weather or some other technical problems.
1: I think it was the weather.
0: Yeah, most likely. A um, lot of uh, bad weather floating around over in over this way, everywhere really lately, isn't it? It's that time of year again.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: But um, I, I do wonder what's happening with that Vega Vega, the Vega rocket that they're having problems with, I think, it's, isn't it, Miko?
1: Yeah, this time, or the last mission that was unsuccessful, I think it was the fourth stage, and it had... Two electrical connections that were put in the wrong place, so the computer couldn't handle the thrust vector control or something like that. Yeah, it essentially
0: shut shut down or just essentially couldn't control itself properly and just yeah. give up. Which is unfortunate. But um, it's all it takes is one connection failed connection, as you've seen with Ariane Space, as you've seen with Rocket Lab, and quite happily possibly happen to a SpaceX. It happens to everyone, whether you, however big or small you are. It's just one of those wonderful things that you just have to go through and learn from and move
1: on, really. Yeah, I think this won't cause too long of a delay because they already found the problem and it was a human problem.
0: Yeah, yeah. And just running through technical problems as well, we still got the uh, dreaded Enrol 44, which is backed up from since the dawn of time because we've been talking yeah. about nearly every single episode and then we've got uh, Enroll 82 or wherever it may be now Um I think that's uh, pencilled in for I believe it was pencilled in for January, February, early next year but whether there's problems with the pads still whether there's problems with the rocket still whether there's some other problems going on I don't know there's some serious, serious problems with that um, whole system as a whole by the looks of it hence why it's supposedly getting retired next year which tori told me quite a while ago randomly and everyone's jumped on it um it's only got it's got five flights left whether it'll do those five flights um i'm half predicting it might not actually do them but um tori also, also um, mentioned a little nugget of information that the enrol 44 cannot be transferred to the atlas 5 because of the size and the weight um, it's specifically de- designed for the delta 4 heavy so it cannot be transferred to another rocket that you will have so you if they don't sort out the delta 4 heavy you're going to have Enrol 44, Enrol 82 and the other Enrols that are supposed to be launching on the Delta IV Heavy all backed up and I think the only other option would be if they don't fix that rocket they'll have to literally give it to someone else to do it and that person will obviously be SpaceX whether it can fit on the Falcon Heavy worst case scenario I don't know but I can imagine it will given a larger payload fairing
1: yeah, I, th- I would think with the larger payload fairing, it would work, but with the current payload fairing, probably not.
2: We've seen bigger fairing proposals from SpaceX, haven't we? They initially tried to buy them uh, bigger fairings.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: They were declined for that, if I'm not mistaken, because ULA didn't want SpaceX grabbing a hold of them.
0: I believe it, went, it, it got through eventually, as far as I'm aware, because they won some... Uh, Contracts as, as of late that actually include using the larger payload fairing and construction, then constructing the vertical payload bay, so they can actually, rather than laying the rockets down as they currently do and then lift them up, they're going to construct a vertical payload bay, essentially, as we see down at Boca Chica with the uh, the high bays and everything. So, with all these um, contracts that um, SpaceX and ULA want, and some of them specifically ask for the payload to be integrated vertically. So they're going to have to do it sooner rather than later, um, whether they do it now or they do it later on. Um, They're going to have to build that uh, high bay to vertically integrate military satellites and everything else onto uh, the likes of the Falcon 9 and any other rockets that SpaceX get eventually.
1: Yeah, I think the first launch is in early 2022, and it, uh, SpaceX was paid 316 million for it to build the vertical integration building and the larger fairing. And it's just going to look immense with that larger fairing. And I think
0: um, it, it's, it's already a great rocket, but uh, to see it with that larger payload fairing, which makes you think how they're going to c- recover those larger payload fairings, because they'll essentially be a boat in themselves. There are The payload fairings are already pretty large and expensive to recover um, and everything, but um, those payload fairings are literally double or triple the size, I'd say. I always imagine in my head um, that you'd just stick a couple of wings on there and just turn it into a little prop plane of some sort and just fly them back. (laughs) That's my little theory. But how they going to recover those fairings, Uh, they're going to need a bigger boat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And jumping over to some other news, uh got uh High two that's uh, not far from home now. Uh, left the asteroid go about three hundred million km- kilometres away, or 100, 100, 180 million miles if you like, from Earth. Um that was about a year ago, and is expected to re- reach Earth and drop a capsule containing precious samples in Australia on around about December sixth.
1: Yeah, it's great to see. Hayabusa finally getting back to Earth and we can do some good science.
0: Yeah, we're getting a lot of, uh, this is one of the first of many uh, great sample returns. We've had a few in the past, but uh, none as fruitful as the ones that have done have been recently as of late. Um, Hayabusa 2 being the first of uh, many, really. Hopefully we can find some really exciting stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of sample returns, did you already hear that the Chinese Chang'e 5 just landed on the moon a few hours ago?
0: Yeah, literally a few hours ago. That's uh, really exciting. That. I mean, obviously, when this goes this out live, this, uh, we, we, as we record, this is a day or two ago, obviously, so most of you may or may not know by now, but uh, it finally made its way onto the surface of the moon. Gathering some samples, and it'll be popping back with uh, some more sam- samples of the moon, moon material and regolith and everything.
2: Just amazing, really. I know a lot of people are easy to criticize China and other developing countries and other space programs, but it's another win for humankind. It's another exploration for science. It's another sample return, which everyone's precious, really. You know, these things are in demand at present. Imagine the abilities this is going to open up.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, there's a lot going on at the moment. Um, It it doesn't have to be these large landers. It it can be little landers, hop over to the moon, grab a handful of samples, bring it back, and we can analyse it and assess it, whether it be China, Russia, America, Europe, Britain, eventually, or whatever.
1: Yeah, and China actually has pretty great success rate on moon landings. They've landed all three they've tried. For this Chang'e 5 they actually are going to start drilling for the sample really soon and I read that they would send it back already in a couple of days.
0: Yeah yeah and we've got other missions as well coming up with quite a few little missions and everything but the capstone mission um, as well uh, one of the guys in discord reminded me there um, Got got those and a few others
2: i mean it's exciting i think congratulations to china and i'm hoping for a successful sample return it's exciting higher booster as well just the amount of samples that are coming back to earth the amount of science we're going to learn about the universe is great
0: and last but not least um, wanting to enter on a positive note as such, but uh, not quite. The arecibo of the tree um, just later today on Tuesday. Um, it's actually collapsed now um, due to the damage sustained um, in the past weeks or so.
2: I mean, it's been an ongoing problem, hasn't it? It was an aging piece of equipment. I think maybe they could have kept it more, but. I- like the general vibe, and I know a lot of people would probably agree that it's become more of a tourist attraction. Like naturally, it's important for the, for a lot of the SETI work, and it's been a pioneer, and it has advanced us. And it's just a shame to see it go. Really, like it's just been a horrible year all round, and this is just feels like a bad way to end twenty twenty, losing the Arecibo radio telescope.
0: Definitely, definitely, and. um a lot of the maintenance was uh neglected, um it was just left too little too little too late. Um by what um some reports have uh been coming out and everything. Um as with anything, if you don't look after it, it will just rot away. But it's also be- worth bearing in mind that um this is about forty to fifty years old, if my memory serves right. So it is at the end of its lifetime when you think about um, satellites and technology and everything else, although, albeit, it's been improved over the years.
2: Yeah, Scott Manley did a really good video on the Arecibo Telescope. That video isn't necessarily relevant if you're looking for today's events, but it's definitely relevant if you're looking up for a timeline and, and, you know, up to today's events, then definitely check the Scott Manley video out
0: yeah yeah definitely um of in-depth yeah. ed- videos that uh, scott manley does and everything but um it's a bit of a shame that lost that whether it's they'll repair it or anything to, for it to be a bit more of a, a landmark thing or they will just leave it be as it is and yeah uh, as fine so the history i just get pictures in my head of the if they just leave it and let nature take its course kind of things let everything overgrow and just leave it as it is it'll just uh be quite interesting, but then you might get the odd, odd few people uh, rummaging in with it being such a, it can be quite a dangerous site, obviously, with it being quite damaged and uh, corroding.
2: I mean, it is a genuine shame. I know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people about it today, I watched it as it unfolded on Twitter, and I was devastated, really, I am, I'm, I'm crushed. I, I, you know those places that are on your bucket list, places I want to go that are really cool? The Arecibo Radio Telescope is definitely one of those places, isn't it? It's on everyone's bucket list of awesome places to go.
0: Definitely, definitely. And you see it on all the movies and everything uh, as of passed past over the many years and everything. Um, various James Bond films and other action-packed films running across it, around it and inside it or wherever it may be. It's just an iconic place that's going to be not lost to history, but um, well-remembered in a way.
2: A lot of people are saying the Chinese FAST telescope is a really suitable replacement, but the FAST telescope uh, apparently isn't retrofittable with radar, so we do lose the radar ability for a dish of that
0: size. Yeah, yeah. it's it's obviously a difference made for a different purpose within reason, so obviously it won't carry on the same technology.
2: It was used for things like uh, asteroid detection, early warning detection for asteroids and things like that. I know, as Framric was saying, there was SETI at home. Uh, If you'd like to expand on that,
3: Framric, that'd be really cool. Yeah, something I remember from the really late 1990s when distributed computing was just starting to get off the ground. Um, You had a number of projects that said, well, rather than hire one big supercomputer will ask people with their home computers to get some data packets and process them in their spare time, like in screensaver form. Um, There was protein folding, um, and I signed up at the time to do SETI at home. You got a download of a packet of data from Arecibo, Uh, You saw it processing on your computer. Uh, I've got some images that uh, we could obviously link to, but I can post some in the Discord. Um, And literally, you saw each pulse being analysed, each incoming signal being analysed on your own desktop or on your screensaver. Um, And you were always hoping that you were the one that actually saw that wow signal, you know, the sudden data uh, coming in. So it was a huge effort, one of the largest distributed computing networks at the time. Uh, And a lot of that was Arecibo data, and it's a great loss
0: yeah yeah definitely uh thanks for uh, popping on uh from rick i'd
2: definitely love to see those those pictures in the discord if you've got them around from rick
3: yeah i'll pop some in there there might even be some animations i can upload or link to uh if i do that we can obviously post them in the uh, youtube side of the uh, Turtle space podcast
2: fantastic
3: i'd absolutely
2: love that
0: all right guys i think we'll uh, wrap it up there we'll, uh we'll we're doing a special episode uh, later in the week once we uh, finally see uh, serial number eight. Uh, fingers crossed, do the hop whether it uh, gets off the pad, whether it does the flop, whether it does the land, who knows. Um, but we'll be doing that, uh, I believe, on the deep dive with Miko. I think,
1: yeah, as long as it happens, the hop.
0: Fingers crossed. What, what are your bets, Miko, on, on how far serial number eight will get? We'll just finish up on that.
1: Well, I think it's going up to fifteen kilometers, but it's going to crash somewhere, probably the ocean.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think a launch will be reasonably fine. I think it's when it's going to do a hop that'll be the the question, where it'll be a smooth hop or it'll be a a very rapid stall, and it'll just I think it might just stall and tumble. It won't be an elegant flop. They might uh, miscalculate it and it might flop forward a bit too far and it might just end up tumbling down. That's my theory. And then a big boom at the end on the ground.
1: Yeah. Eric X-Base has quite a few demonstrations for that. (laughs) Big one there. from there.
0: Yeah, yeah. How about yourself, Ace Not? Real number is a
2: good pathfinder. It's going to be exciting. It's going to drop into the water. I believe. If it's going to run, I'd much rather it head for the drink so they can at least retrieve data from it, than it just, like, blow out all the data from the sensors that are on board. I know it's heavily connected, but there's still a lot of sensors that that get recorded for later date. You know, there's really good footage that's on board cameras that isn't necessarily streamed over and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll, uh, go into depth in uh, whether it'll splash in the water or or with a crash, boom, whatever it may be, along with me on the Deep Dive episode. Uh, thanks for joining us again today, guys. I've been your host, Ryan, from the Space Update.
1: I've been Mikko, the host of Deep Dive Fridays. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and your favourite podcast platform. Also, if you like what we do, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash totalspace.
0: I've been another space now. A big thank you to you and everyone subscribed over on YouTube and to you guys listening at home on the podcast, in your car or wherever you may be. Catch you all next week and have an awesome day.